than a month after the murder of Michael Reese. All eyes in Morris were on his wife, Cindy. What's that old saying? If, if, if the spouse is killed, talk to the one that's breathing. And the one she's sleeping with. Police had talked to Cindy and her lover, former pastor Jeff Brown, and both had now been charged with murder. And as he followed the case, Morris resident Jerry Vincent wondered if one would flip on the other. So when he bumped into Cindy, who was out on bail... I said, Cindy, first one to squeal gets the best deal. And I think you know who's squealing. She looked me in the eyes, dead in the eyes, and said, my lawyer says I got nothing to worry about. They can't prove a thing. Who do you feel like you're looking in the eyes? A cold-blooded killer. To prosecutors, the notion that Cindy or Jeff would squeal for the best deal had all but evaporated by August 2015 when Jeff's trial was set to start. There's no reason to think that he was going to flee at that point. But just minutes before they started picking a jury, Jeff turned to his lawyer in court and told him he wanted to make a deal. I just feel like it's one of those TV moments where you're ready to go, you've been prepping for months, and then suddenly this thing is flipped on its head. There's some peace in knowing that, that he is going to take some responsibility for his part in this murder. Jeff Brown finally admitted he had a hand in Michael Reese's death. He pleaded guilty to manslaughter and agreed to testify against Cindy. Her murder trial started in November 2016. Michael's family and friends, like Josh Freeman, were there. We had a large group of people that were there that just for Michael to make sure that, you know, that he got the justice that he deserved. But there were others in the courtroom, like Cindy's Uncle Roy and her mother Judy, who held a very different view of what justice should look like. In my heart, my heart of hearts, I know that she couldn't have done it. She oh. is not a murderer. You believed you knew who murdered Michael? Oh, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Yes, ma'am. Who was that? Jeff Brown. Prosecutors <laughs> believed both were involved in Michael's death, but they were convinced Cindy was the mastermind. Her motive? Getting a divorce in this community is really looked down upon. And rather than her looking like someone who was having an affair and got a divorce, she can be looked at as the victim if her husband gets killed. Right off the bat, prosecutors knew they needed to shatter the image of Cindy Reese, the God-fearing music director. This Christian lady, grieving widow image that she was working so hard to portray, it really made sense to show that she was not that person. To prove it, they laid out all the evidence that had been gathered against Cindy. The paperwork for the car and apartment found in her office, the cell phone data, those cold Milo's fries, and of course, her affair with their star witness, Jeff Brown, who told the jury an astonishing story. I think what Jeff did, as it relates to Cindy's trial, is it filled in a major piece of the puzzle. That major piece? How the murder actually went down. While he was on the phone with her, he heard a pop, and then after the murder at a local gas station, she told him, it's done, he's gone. Cindy shot Michael, Jeff claimed. He wasn't even there. Jeff then testified that Cindy gave him the murder weapon at the gas station that night and told him to get rid of it. It pretty much was the final nail in her coffin, so to speak, as, as far as her trial went. Or was it? We hoped that the jury uh, would see that he was a liar. 
Cindy's defense attorney, John Robbins, told the jury that Cindy couldn't have killed Michael. It was impossible. Michael was three inches taller than Cindy, yet the trajectory of the bullet indicates his killer loomed above him. The angle of the bullet is in a downward angle. Cindy was too short to create that angle. Not too short? Jeff Brown, said the defense. Robbins also reminded the jury that there was no physical evidence linking Cindy to the crime. No blood, no gunshot residue. Not only that, he said, Jeff had the motive, not Cindy. Would you characterize Jeff and Cindy's relationship that Jeff was obsessed with Cindy? Or was it vice versa? I would think that Jeff was obsessed with Cindy because she was kind of his gravy train, so to speak. Do you think that gave Jeff Brown the perfect motive that he needed Michael out of the picture to continue that gravy train? That certainly, that certainly is a motive, isn't it? And in an effort to wrest control of Cindy's image from the state, the defense took a calculated risk and put her on the stand. She told the jury she didn't shoot her husband. And while she admitted her marriage to Michael was rocky, she said she didn't want him dead and was adamant she knew nothing of Jeff's plan to kill him. Why did you decide to have Cindy testify? I think she, you know, one, she wanted to. And two, I, I, is I think uh, with Jeff getting on the witness stand, um, I, think she, I think she had to. Which image of Cindy would the jury believe? The church-going grieving widow or the church-going cheating widow? It didn't take long to find out. The jury deliberated for just 90 minutes. And the verdict? Guilty of murder. How were you feeling in that moment? It was great that she was found guilty, but she's still alive, you know, so she eventually will probably get out and live her life and stuff, and, and Michael didn't get that chance. On the other side of the courtroom, different emotions for Cindy's family. Heartbroken, destroyed. In a state of shock, really not believing what I had just heard. She was convicted for being an adulteress and sentenced as a murderer. But Cindy's cousin, Delane, thinks the jury got it right. There was overwhelming evidence that Cindy was definitely involved. The why is something she continues to struggle with. Did she just get consumed by the moment and get caught up emotionally and it got out of hand? Or is she a monster? And, and did she plan it? important questions that are unlikely to be answered. As part of his plea deal, Jeff Brown received a 20-year prison sentence. Cindy Reese got 40 years. As for Michael Reese, the unwitting victim of a love triangle he wanted no part of, all that's left of him now are memories. Hmm. Memories of a kind and gentle soul with a big laugh and an even bigger heart. How do you want people to remember Michael? <laughs> he was just a funny guy. He, he enjoyed life so much. He was just a good person. And anybody that ever knew him would tell you the same thing. That's all for this edition of Dateline. We'll see you again Thursday at 9, 8 central. And of course, I'll see you each weeknight for NBC Nightly News. I'm Lester Holt for all of us at NBC News. Good night. organization in the world. Ooh, must be nice to be a multi-
multi-millionaire CEO and a congressman like Mike Garcia. It's nice for Mike's corporate donors and millionaires like himself that Mike supported Donald Trump's huge tax giveaway. While that same tax plan Garcia supports... Growing candlelight memorial outside of King Tut Liquor. Demonstrators marched into the street in Mark Matthew Bender's name, the 35 year old man killed by San Bernardino police last night. These pictures are provided to us by Bender's fiance of five years, who describes him as a caring man with a big heart. Obviously, the video is very disturbing. Uh, anytime you see a human being being shot four times. Bender's criminal defense attorney reacting to this newly released body cam video. The video starts showing an officer walking toward the strip mall. Police say the officer was responding to a 911 call of an armed man jumping on cars. And you said somebody has a gun? Yeah, there's a man who's real drunk up there. He's jumping on top of cars. He has a gun, and he's just going crazy. We can't confirm if Bender was the man referenced by the 911 caller. The video shows the officer immediately draw his gun on Bender. In the video, Bender puts his hands up, then lowers them to pull up his shorts. The officer then tackles Bender, struggling with him on the ground. The body camera then goes dark. Police have not explained why. We slowed this cell phone video from a witness. You can see Bender grabbing something, but we can't independently verify it was a gun. Seconds later, the officer fires four shots. Police provided these pictures of the gun they say was found at the scene. In the same press release, police state that Bender is a felon with a criminal history. Simply because he has a criminal history does not mean that he should be treated any differently. Bender's attorney says his past has no relevance to his killing. The only thing they're trying to do to my client is to destroy his reputation, to dirty him up. Somebody made a call, made an accusation, and here we go. No, I got a dead nephew. In San Bernardino County tonight, Hetty Chang, NBC4 News. And there is breaking news out of South Los Angeles. Several people were hurt following a police pursuit, including a little boy. News Chopper 4 Alpha was over the wreckage around 10.30 tonight. News Chopper 4 Alpha flew over that wreckage. As we say, a little bit past 10.30, the person trying to get away from officers crashed into another car, sending three people to the hospital, a woman, a teenage girl, and a year-old boy. We don't know why the officers were after that driver, and no word yet on the condition of those who were taken to the hospital. From the L.A. Forum to Universal City Walk, in-person early voting starts tomorrow with many big-name venues serving as centers for you to cast your ballot. And as NBC4's Beverly White reports, while these centers prepare to open, a record number of early voters have already cast their ballots. The iconic Hollywood Bowl closed for performances due to the pandemic, but opens on Saturday at 10 a.m. for early in-person voting. Still, some people we met prefer mailing their ballots. Concerned about the COVID, I'm one of those, I take care of everything ahead of time, so I don't have to think about it anymore. While others plan to take part in person. I plan to fill it out and I'm going to walk it in. I thought about just voting in person. They have some early voting areas open, so I was going to explore what those are closest to where I live. LAVote.net will help you find places like Staples Center, where starting tomorrow, registered voters can cast a ballot or drop off a completed mail-in version, a public service this voter believes flows from the activist athletes who work here. I think it's excellent, and uh, I think it really highlights the work of the 
NBA Players Association um, and, and how powerful that message was to make a place as iconic as Staples Center. Voters can also do their civic duty at the Forum in Inglewood, where NBC4's Randy Mack showed us COVID safety measures and met some excited voters. The Forum, that's a great place. You know, it's a, a famous place. You know, and so it should be some excitement that we're going to the farm. As soon as you vote, you put your sticker on, what's a better background for a picture besides the great form? Here at Universal City Walk and all voting person locations, masks are required, but anything with a candidate's name or image is not permitted. Make America Great here is allowed as long as it doesn't bear the president's name. In Universal City, I'm Beverly White, NBC4 News. The city of Beverly Hills is taking new security precautions for election week. Rodeo Drive will be closed from Santa Monica to Wilshire starting the night before the election and running through Wednesday, November 4th. City leaders say the recent protests and counter-protests are prompting the closures. Beverly Hills police also plan to work with private security companies to protect businesses and homes. And there is good news tonight. Here's one shot in the left. in three decades. Our Fred Rogan is live now with more on how big bats and big pitching all came together tonight. Fred. Carolyn, if Dodger fans were worried after their game two loss, they don't have to worry anymore. The Dodgers dominated tonight. They led from start to finish. They are now just two wins away from their first World Series title in 32 years. Walker Bueller, boy, he looked good. Always seems to shine when the pressure is on. Carried a no-hitter into the fifth. He struck out 10 in six innings. Catcher Austin Barnes said it best. He's never seen him pitch that well. But he also gives credit to Barnes, known for his defense. He drove home two runs, including <laughs> a perfectly executed safety squeeze bunt. Dodgers won at 6-2. Barnes talked about the play afterwards. They ask you to do something, you need to do it. So, um, you know, being able to scratch those runs across were huge. Cody got on base, Jock got a big hit. Um, runs are at a premium in the postseason, as everybody knows, so... Especially with the way Walk was throwing the baseball, um, you know, we felt really good about it. Game four is tomorrow night. Julio Urias will be on the hill. He's 4-0 in the playoffs. So you have to believe things are looking pretty good for the Dodgers right now. We'll have more coming up later on. We'll send it back to you. All right, Fred, thank you. Well, Dodgers fans who made the trip to Arlington, Texas for the World Series are hyped about tonight's win. Came all the way from L.A., so we're here. I wasn't alive during the last one, but I'll be alive for the 2020, baby. <laughs> he sure will. A limited number of fans are being allowed to attend the games in person, and that includes a lot of fans in blue. This group was quick to point out the last time the Lakers and Dodgers both won titles in the same year was 1988. They're predicting it will happen again this year. Now as we enter another weekend with masks and social distancing, COVID-19 numbers today show another 79,000 cases nationwide. Locally, the number of new cases in Los Angeles County is more than 2,700 with 23 deaths. We've become accustomed to seeing much lower case numbers and county officials say there was a technical problem in the reporting system. Despite the numbers, we expect to see fewer restrictions. Massage parlors and tattoo shops are welcoming customers back inside, and outdoor businesses, things like miniature golf and batting cages, are also reopening. And more students with special needs will be allowed back at school for on-site learning, 
and the number is being increased from 10 to 25 percent. And it's not going so well, however, in Orange and Riverside County. Officials there gave businesses 72 hours to close or they would have to move outside. Well, the time is up and the state has downgraded the county to the most restrictive or purple tier. Now, that means that gyms, movie theaters and places of worship, including museums and outdoor dining, are now all off limits. If you are a Costco member, you can now get at-home coronavirus test kits. The PCR kit costs between $130 and $140. It uses a saliva sample instead of a nasal swab. And you can expect your results within 48 hours after the testing sample, or testing center rather, receives your sample. Meanwhile, AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson are resuming their Phase 3 vaccine trials. AstraZeneca started its trials in September, but just days later had to put them on hold after someone developed a spinal cord injury after taking that experimental vaccine. Someone also became ill during Johnson & Johnson's trials, so they had paused testing as well. A 75-year-old man was hit by a pickup truck. This happened in El Sereno, and tonight he is on life support. The driver who hit him got out, but then didn't stick around to help. This happened last night. It was around 6.30. Someone saw that driver near Alhambra and Bullard. After that, there's no idea where the driver went. The family of Guillermo Cartagena says that they plan to take him off life support at some time. But first, that family has a message for anyone who knows who that driver might be. Police are now offering a $25,000 reward for information that leads to an arrest. It was there one minute, gone the next. Two thieves stole a gardener's work truck from right outside his home in Azusa, and it was all caught on camera this morning. The man went inside for just a minute, and in that time, two thieves pulled up, got into the man's work truck, and sped off. Without it, he cannot get to work, can't provide for his family. We spoke with his daughter earlier tonight. It's not fair. It's not fair. There's so many opportunities out there, and I know we have to work hard and everything, but don't take it away from the people, from the hardworking people that are just working and want better for, for their families and for their lives. He lost not only his truck, but all his tools that were inside as well. Garbage trucks, trash, and burnt to a crisp, both of them. Well, a bizarre disguise that made it very hard for police to find one particular arsonist. And perhaps you don't want to go out to the polls, or you can let them come to you. The I-Team has a look at a new mobile voting booth that's ready to roll into a neighborhood near you. Clouds, a cool feel, rain, and Santa Ana winds. It's all coming up in your weekend first alert forecast. The first time I did dialysis, I was 15 years old. It was a loss that I didn't know how to cope with. The people behind Prop 23 are playing politics. 